For me, the COVID-19 pandemic's effects in the Rogue Valley started with an email about a crab feed. I received it from Ty O'Mara, who I've interviewed multiple times before as the Ashland Chief of Police. But this time, he was reaching out to me wearing a different hat. Not as a cop, but as an official of the Rotary Club of Ashland, Lithia Springs. They were hosting a crab feed, but due to concerns about COVID-19, they were axing it this year. This was a big deal. It's a key fundraiser for the group, but they were concerned enough to cancel it. Here's a snippet of our conversation from Tuesday, March 10th. It's just not happening this year, but we are trying to figure out if we can still have a, an auction in some form. So there's more, more info to come, but the event itself is done. It's just not happening in 2020, and we'll circle back around and do it in 2021. Again, this was Tuesday, March 10th, and this was a single event, right? Then came the next day. That was when Governor Kate Brown gave her first version of a mandate that put event attendee capacity limits in place in an effort to reduce the virus's spread. She later revised it to be even more strict, but this first version still had a huge impact across the state. Locally, we felt it just as much as everyone else. It was like watching dominoes. Cancellation, cancellation, postponement, cancellation. You know, big stuff. Stuff people in our neck of the woods look forward to every year. Winter sports tournaments, Southern Oregon University's entire spring sports season, the Oregon Cheese Festival, Oregon Shakespeare Festival performances, the Pear Blossom Festival. There were plenty of closures too. All K-12 schools, Kid Time, Science Works, Mount Ashland Ski Area, all public library branches, etc., etc., etc. Meanwhile, Cases statewide have continued to mount. The latest Oregon Health Authority data shows we're up to 75 cases statewide, with at least two here in Jackson County. There have also been three deaths recorded in Oregon thus far. You could feel the shift here. You could practically hear the gears in the newsroom machine realigning. Like, this is what we're about now. Suddenly, every reporter and editor from every department is writing about this virus, this pandemic, this fallout, in some capacity. And now we're here, Wednesday, March 18th. This past week has felt like the longest year ever. I'm fresh off my first work from home dispatch, with more to come because of my kids' school being among the districts canceled. I wanted to talk to some of the people I work with about this moment in history. I know where I'm at, you know, how I'm dealing with it, but I wanted some additional perspective. So today on The Insider, I'm joined by Mail Tribune editor Justin Umberson and reporters Kaylee Trenet, and Vicki Aldis for a check-in. Vicki and Kaylee, I wanted to start with you. Um, what has it been like to suddenly be devoting almost all your energy to this story topic? And either of you can take it away if you wanted to. To me, it's really weird. I just uh, revised my work schedule for the week, which normally is somewhat fluid for the week, but I know what I'm doing and it's devoted completely to coronavirus. I did four stories one day to another, three or four today, and it's all related to coronavirus. And every other piece of news has been shoved down into a, a new category called delayed and pending stories. <laughs> so this is Kaylee. Um, what has it been like to be devoting all my energy? Well, it has taken a lot of vigilance and just kind of being even more plugged into the news and my email inbox and Twitter 
than usual because it's always sort of a balance when you work in news to try to um, be connected to updates, but also let yourself not be looking at your phone all the time. But in this situation, I've really learned, especially with the timing of some of the updates, we've really learned to be quite vigilant and not discount any hours of the day or night (laughs) for things to develop, which has been new for sure. And how has this affected your individual beats? And, and Kaylee, let's let's start with you this time. My beat is upended to the same degree that, um, you know, the regular school day and school routine is is upended right now. I cover K twelve uh, systems mostly, with occasional kind of stories about um, Southern Oregon University or Rogue Community College. But K twelve is usually where most of my focus is anyway, and that system is completely closed down for, um, you know, the duration of this month and almost all of next month. So um, my beat has basically become about um, how do these certain essential functions of school, which is very interesting to sort of realize how the things that we consider essential about school might not be um, what actually is essential because we quickly discovered um, and, you know, families, lots of families around the Valley and around the state know this, that meals are one of the most essential things that um, families rely on schools to provide. So, you know, it became about how are kids still going to be able to eat? How are they still going to be able to get regular access to meals? Um, And how are they going to eventually be able to learn again? Um, This is a long enough closure now with the update last night that, um, you know, extended the closure that it's going to significantly impact, especially, you know, high school seniors who are finishing their requirements like graduation uh, for graduation, like senior projects and, um, you know, all kinds of finishing up the last classes that they need to graduate. So that's a significant challenge and it's going to really require a lot of Um, you know, focus from myself and from Justin to just make sure that we're covering those things in such a way that parents are really getting updated information, that teachers feel like they're being heard and they're being, you know, represented in that coverage too. So covering during a closure is sort of uh, a unique situation because you have to take a lot of those same factors into account, but but the whole method and delivery of the instruction and meals and updates has to take a totally different look. And so that's kind of how it's what we've been dealing with, different angles of that every day. And Vicki, what about you? My week has been very strange. The weirdest thing that I did this week is go out to the Oregon Vortex. It's a really oddball roadside curiosity that's been in business for 90 years since, you know, 1930. They saw a big drop off in business. And then when people were coming there, they were also really worried. A few people were saying this whole coronavirus thing is just a hoax for political gain. That scared them even more than the drop-off in customers, that maybe those people aren't taking it seriously, aren't protecting themselves in the community. They made the really tough choice to close down. And so they are like a microcosm, even though they're weird, they're strange, they are like a microcosm of all the small businesses out there that are making really tough choices. They have seasonal part-time employees, they have students, teachers who are looking for work in the summer. It's a great fit for them. They have one worker who 
spends hours every week on kidney dialysis. It's a, you know, a grueling process that you have to go through. You need a lot of time for those medical appointments, but that worker can come to the Oregon Vortex and do guides and meet the people, and it's a great fit, and it really hurts them to have to lay off those people in so much uncertainty in the future. They miss seeing people from all over the world just in the two weeks that they started in March because their season runs from March through October. Normally, they were seeing you know, dozens and dozens of people from the Pacific Northwest, including Washington State, which is a real hot spot for coronavirus. It's been one of the most hard-hit states. They had a few visitors from China where the coronavirus originated. So seeing the pins in the global map they have in their gift gift shop makes you see how interconnected we all are in the world. Seeing the goods they have in the gift shop makes you see how interconnected we are. They have local carvings and wood sticks and jewelry from local artisans, and now they can't sell those goods. Um, it's a, uh, it's hurting the incomes and the livelihoods of those artisans who do such quirky, unusual things. They have uh, magic wands made of amethyst and other minerals that are really beautiful and strange. They come from Canada. They ordered $4,000 worth of magic wands from Canada, but now they can't sell those. So they're contacting the company saying, hey, can we do some small payments? Can we maybe make a big payment later? We don't want to you know, hurt our suppliers. We don't want to hurt our relationships, but we are just trying to limp along and stay afloat. But their commitment is so... Uh, you know, heartwarming because they are like other businesses. They want to stay alive. They want to keep creating special memories and be a special place for people to gather. So they, they're in their 90th season if they have a season this year, but they're really committed to seeing the centennial and having their 100th anniversary in the future. Uh, so Justin, as an editor, what has your perspective been like during this time? I mean, give me a pulse check on what it's been like to be in the newsroom. Uh, times are extremely wild right now. Um, you know, things change, have been changing so quickly, especially starting late last week. Um, the, um, you know, on Thursday, for example, uh, we had a story. Thursday night we posted a story on schools um, preparing for um, COVID-19, how they're cleaning and uh, desanitizing everything. And it went live around seven, eight o'clock, and by ten ten, it was old news because Kate Brown shut down um, all of the the state's K through twelve schools uh, just a mere hours after that was posted, and a mere hours after um, our our paper went to bed. So that so that's how things have been changing. Also, the tempo, you know, our entertainment magazine. I think they changed their cover three times on Thursday, trying to get something that was relevant because Shakespeare was canceled. Uh, all the little um, theaters were were also shut down on on Thursday. It was just it was something to behold happening at one time. Um, you know, it was smoke season, but smoke season turned up to eleven. As far as just the this is gone. This is gone. This is gone. And it, it's um, it was it, if yeah, it, it was kind of overwhelming. Uh, you know, between uh, pear blossom uh, news and also on Thursday, our sports department had to deal with all the cancellations of you know um, South Medford, 
Um, and uh, Crater boys and girls basketball teams not being able to participate in their uh, respective playoffs. It was just, it was uh, of wild times and it just seemed like it, it wouldn't stop um, there for a while. Um, but, um, you know, it seems like everyone in the newsroom has gathered together and uh, really um, uh, worked like a, a great team in making sure we don't leave anything out and also focusing on what, instead of what is being canceled, we've also focused on what you can do. And I appreciate that a lot. I know um, a lot of things being, uh, you know, the rug being pulled out from under you, whether you had plans to go to a performance or a, um, anything else, or even a movie theater, um, just knowing what's available, I'm sure helps a lot of people who are starting to develop cabin fever. This is for all of you, and Justin, I'll start with you again, and then we can go around. But what have been some of the more striking developments to, to you personally, locally, as it relates to this pandemic? Um, the, everything is striking. There's, um, you know, uh, uh, it seems like uh, as, a, as a, you know, a newsroom and as a microcosm of the country, we're kind of all in this together. Um, and and it seems like um, we're uh, you know we're working as a team, but uh, the, the the striking developments is that it just hasn't stopped. You know, you think we got through Thursday and then then we came in Friday and everything was um, it's it seemed like the uh, our everything narrowed even more on Thursday and we came in on. Monday and everything narrowed a little bit more. It's just um, our worlds are going to get smaller and smaller, and this is just the beginning of what's going to happen over the next couple of months because you look around the world and seeing um, just how um, other countries are handling it where um, certain people are just holed up in their homes for seven days a week. It it seems like um, this very well could be our future at some point, and so... Um, just uh, how all of this seems very uh, huge to us, but it, um, there's so much more that, that could go on. Kaylee, first schools were closed until April 1st. Now they're closed until the end of April. Uh, how do districts handle this? I mean, how, how do families with children who are suddenly stuck at home handle this? There are obviously a lot of considerations that districts have, which I sort of touched on in my answer earlier, that schools have provide such a a wide range of services to families. So they're figuring out how to provide those um, in light of the social distancing guidances and in light of the fact that their buildings um, and their normal schedules can't be relied upon. So it's very early days yet. Um, Every district is sort of set up in a different way in terms of their um, reliance on maybe internet technology or mobile technology. For example, in the Eagle Point School District, they had already achieved one-to-one iPads. So they have an iPad for every single student in the district. Now, normally, I don't really know the ins and outs of whether those go home with students ever, but I know that that's definitely a factor in their plans. How can they leverage the technology that they already have to try to support students with remote instruction? The superintendent of 
Medford Schools has definitely um, proposed one of the more interesting and sort of unique plans. I've not heard this. I'm in touch with the the uh, education reporters in Oregon and Southwest Washington 24-7 now, and um, we're all sort of trading notes on what districts are doing. And I have not heard anything quite like what the Medford School District is looking at in terms of partnering with local TV stations and trying to use um, broadcast time to potentially convey lessons to kids, convey instruction or a, a, a number of possibilities. And that's definitely one of the more intriguing ones for me that I'm, I'm particularly curious to see how that will kind of unfold and develop. As far as childcare goes, that's sort of the story I'm working on today. So working on, you know, trying to get a real sense for the lay of the land here. Um, Childcare is an incredibly more, uh, it's incredibly more fractured of a system than K-12 districts, which all have some sort of umbrella and containment where you're in a district and you're in another district and that's this is how this district abides and and works but preschools, childcare centers, daycare centers, um in-home daycares, those are all um then we start getting into DHS territory and all kinds of stuff where there's a lot more nuance to it and so that's sort of what Justin and I are delving into with the story today and so I guess that one is We'll have to check back on and see what story we come up with um, when we get a better handle on that landscape today. And uh, Vicki, let's start with you on this one. It's struck me since this actually started happening and started getting really bad that, you know, we're reporters and editors, but we also have lives outside of this newsroom. And, you know, as I said earlier, um, I worked from home yesterday because of my kids, and that's likely going to be a regular thing for a bit a couple days a week. Um, so how, how has this affected your personal lives? Um, what, what changes have, have you had to make? It's a huge, huge change for our family. Normally, my kids are teenagers that are in high school. My son is a senior this year. Spring, normally in normal years, is a marathon for our family, me and my husband and our two kids. Um, my son does baseball. That's hours and hours every day. My daughter does track. Track meets, they go on all day, doubleheader baseball games. My husband works full-time. He also is a volunteer assistant coach for the high school baseball and track teams. So, And I'm picking up more of the slack at home. So everybody in the family in the spring burns the candle at both ends, and it's grueling to get through. And now my husband and I still have work, but our kids are out of school for almost two months, and things have come to a standstill for them. Meanwhile, my husband and I are busier than ever, but a little bit of relief from not the sports schedule. At the same time, it's really heartbreaking. My son is in a situation like a lot of other kids. He's been working on baseball so hard since Little League to become a, a good solid pitcher for his baseball team and has all these tricky pitches and curveballs and whatnot that he can throw and um, you know he's put in so much effort year after year and this is his senior year there might not be a baseball season he might miss out on that final lifetime memory my daughter's a sophomore she still has some time she's got some time to reach her potential and track but this is it for my son he's also a senior 
And, um, you know, he's on track for graduating, but now it's all uncertain. How will he finish out those last credits? He's in the same boat as a lot of kids out there. How will they graduate? What are they going to do about their college plans? Will they start college in the fall? Nobody knows for now. He's uh, trying to keep in really good spirits about it. Um, he's got a positive attitude. He takes a lot of ribbing in the dugout on the baseball team, and he's under a lot of pressure as a baseball pitcher so he can handle it. And I was teasing him today because if uh, my husband's work is short-staffed with some people sick and wanting to be safe and stay home, my son and maybe my daughter are going to go in there and do just some manual labor tasks to help out the business and pitch in and help. Um, but I was teasing my son and I told him that, so you've gone from being an honor roll kid and a sports player to being a high school dropout working in the mail room. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, there's a serious side to it. He has a friend who um, has a single mom who works a lot of hours at a fitness club. Some fitness clubs are canceling. So that kid, he needs that money to go to college. That is part of his his future. He's he you know, kids are out there, they need those sports scholarships, they need those jobs. And it's scary because a lot of adults are out of work now. Everybody's in competition. We went from an unemployment rate that was historically low. We don't have the numbers in yet. It will take weeks to get that. But it could go through the roof, and it's just a hugely uncertain time for everybody. I'm pretty aware that my family is pretty privileged. It's just my husband and I, we're both relatively healthy and you know we don't have to deal with the the you know sudden tumult of having to try to find child care or you know keep kids entertained um, or educated at home um, the biggest thing is just trying to curb my uh, social appetite as an extrovert who's married to an introvert who's pretty good at staying at home <laughs> but that's definitely a, a small potatoes compared to some of the things that I know families and um and kids who maybe don't have stable homes or um parents with them um my my heart is definitely with with those families more right now and trying to check in with elderly neighbors or um you know, just friends to try to make sure that that they have everything that they need. I think that's really been an important thing to be doing in the last few days. The work from home bit is is interesting for for me uh, personally because I, I've only had to do it one day so far uh, because of what's going on, um, and it's it's going to take some getting used to. I think some some adjustments. I mean, my five year old daughter uh, is in this phase of her life where she wants to help with everything. She she just loves to help. If I'm if I'm doing something as simple as sweeping the floor, she goes to our cleaning closet and she grabs uh, a Swiffer duster and and says, "Can I can I help you?" And she asked me yesterday, "Dad, when you're done writing, can you teach me how to make dinner?" Um, and stuff like that. And she wanted to even help with the writing. She, you know, what what can I do? I let her you know I let her hit the the mouse to publish a a story of mine yesterday and stuff like that. Uh, just little things like that. But it's going to be interesting balancing that very outgoing, just curious personality and being able to still work um, and not feeling guilty about doing one or the other, I suppose. Um, because there were times when I had to, you know, tend to them and I'm thinking to myself, okay, like I'm not technically working now. I'm 
quote unquote, holding up air quotes right now, working from home, but I'm getting my two-year-old dressed or uh, getting them an activity for, for both of my kids. And it's, it's going to, I, I, I'm going to need to make some purposeful changes in, and, and adaptations in, in order to, uh, to make this work because it's going to be, it's going to be a while um, before this, this all settles down. And lastly, Justin, um, what about you? You know, uh, I am also in an extreme uh, position of privilege where uh, it's uh, me and my wife um, and our two dogs, but, uh, you know, they, they're they uh, pretty independent from us. But uh, both me and my wife, uh, we're still both able to work. Uh, we, we still both have full-time jobs, um, and it doesn't look like that's going to change for either one of us. So uh, between the two of us, we still have um, a lot of social interactions, a lot of, uh, a lot of things to keep us busy. Um, so, you know... The only the only way it's affected me personally is, uh, you know, um, if there's anything I can do for others, I I, I try and help. But uh, but my life is is uh, is privileged and uh, and great, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones who have uh, um, just who haven't really been impacted as much. Um, but hopefully uh, we'll learn today if the dog park closes. Because if the dog park closes, my life is going to be very hectic with a, a seven-month-old, 70-pound puppy uh, um, climbing over me. Looking ahead, and obviously the thing that makes this thing so unique is things have been changing on a dime. But for now, looking ahead, what are some things you're either working on or would like to next as it relates to this situation? Kaylee, we'll start with you. Well, so as I mentioned, today is about childcare. Today is trying to figure out where are kids going and how are parents, what are parents' options, um, trying to get a, a handle on that. Um, another thing that I'm interested in is um, the impact on teachers right now as they are, as, you know, we have many teachers who are parents, um, and their kids may be um, – you know, requiring a lot more care right now because they're not in school or not in childcare. And so how are those teachers who are home right now, um, now adjusting depending on the district they're in and their level of preparedness, um, you know, before all this happened, um, how are they preparing to teach their own students um, remotely um, now that schools are going to be closed a lot longer than we thought. So that, that I think, is a, of particular interest. What does it look like to balance being a parent um, and now having to significantly change the way that you have approached your job um, by doing remote instruction? So those are the, the two that kind of come to mind initially. I'm going to continue on kind of with a hodgepodge of stories. I'm working on one, um, tips for people who are caring for a loved one who has Alzheimer's. There's a lot of recommendation to isolate, um, so trying to get the word out to people about tips and helplines they can contact. I'm trying to answer today all animal-related questions. Is it safe to go to the dog park? Some of the uh, like adoption events have been postponed and canceled. How are people taking care of animals? Ryan, you and, and I, you and I, for weeks now, have been working uh, behind the scenes on a long-term project where we've been re going and visiting the 
regional youth prison in Grants Pass working with a, a great group of young guys there who are working really hard to get their lives on track and just really creative, exciting young people with great ideas. We're doing a podcast about what life is like inside. They are on lockdown. There are no visitors. We can't go visit them. We don't go over there with our recording equipment anymore. I've checked in with the staff who's trying to balance all this. Maybe can they do some homework for us and record interviews with each other? What's it like to be in a youth prison going to your youth prison high school while there's a coronavirus pandemic raging around the world and you can't talk to anybody? So um, that's you know, just one of those projects that's been impacted, it's going to yield even more interesting stories. Um, so yeah, just plugging away like we do every day, but with this added wrinkle. Absolutely. Something I think it would be interesting to to focus on uh, a little bit down the line or maybe get started right now, just depending on time, is my, my wife is a, is a nurse, and um, I've always thought it would be interesting to explore how this impacts individual healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, um, uh, EMTs, stuff like that. You know, how, how do they adapt to this whole new flood of, of people needing them and, uh, and, and meeting those needs and continuing to meet their own needs? You know, they're just, uh, how, do they, how do they process and, and, and deal with this uh, uptick in work? I've always thought that would be pre- uh, pretty interesting. Um, and then going forward also, uh, cultivating, continuing to cultivate this list of cancellations and closures that uh, that we made a couple of days ago that's on our website. That's going to be never-ending um, because things are going to, um, at some point, <laughs> start coming off of it too. And so just keeping a, a constant eye on that is going to be something that's going to be really interesting. I definitely signed up for it when I put that list together, so it's my own fault, but uh, I, uh, I'm just I'm curious to see how that's all going to fall out. Lastly, Justin, um, as an editor, you know what? What about you? What are some things that you would like to to see or focus on? You know, I would um, I really want to focus on people doing good for other people, whether it's um, you know teenagers who are out of school, um, you know, doing things for um, seniors who may not be um, as apt to go outside when they're um, at high risk for the effects of, of the COVID-19. So I, that's, um, I really want to see people doing good. And instead of focusing on uh, what uh, the, the times we're in, I'm seeing people rise to the occasion and, uh, and make the most of the cards we've been dealt. Well, thank you all for coming on very much. You can see all of our ongoing coronavirus coverage at mailtribune.com slash news slash coronavirus. And that does it for this latest episode of The Insider. Reminder, be patient with each other, be kind, give each other space, stay home if you feel sick. Again, stay home if you feel sick, wash your hands. Oh, and call your mom. This is Ryan File with The Insider. Thanks for coming inside.